0: nothing but the blood. for a word of prayer
1: as we begin our service today father thank you so much for today thank you for this opportunity you've given us to be here tonight now holy spirit i ask that you'd meet with us in a special way teach us from your word what you'd have us to know may we apply it to our lives and lord know that your truth is what's important and we can live and trust in your truth and not in men's word or man's word but in your word. So meet with us, please, in a very special way, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I'm gonna let you sing the next one, number 540, 586. If you'll sing good, I'll let you sit. Amen. I, amen. Five hundred and eighty-six, five eight six. Glory to his name. Tonight, and then we'll have our prayer time. Uh, don't forget about the picnic uh, lunch Sunday afternoon after our morning service. Uh, we'll be having a, a fellowship. Uh, if you'd like to sign up on the bulletin board uh, for that, uh, we're just going to have lunch. Amen. Not on the ground, on the tables. Amen. On the property, <laughs> okay, I want to encourage you to be a part of that. It's, we're going to be having a special day with uh, Glory Bound Quartet will be here, and they'll be singing for us in the morning service. Don't forget, Sunday school starts at eight, uh, at 9.30 in the morning, and we'll go till 10 o'clock. At 10 o'clock, we'll end our Sunday school. At 10.15, we'll start our morning service so that we'll give uh, Glory Bound longer to be able to sing for us rather than starting in our normal 10 30. So I want to encourage you, if you know somebody who doesn't come to Sunday school, and they need to be here at 10.15, at so they don't miss out on all the enjoyment, amen? Then, of course, after that, we'll have our our, uh, our, uh, um, uh, sir, our, our food and eat and enjoy our time together, uh, eating and, and doing those things, amen? Don't forget about men's prayer breakfast on Saturday morning, 8.30 in the morning. We'll be meeting in the Fellowship Hall. We'll eat some breakfast. Then we'll uh, have a devotional. And then we'll have prayer time. And I want to encourage all of our men to come that can come. I know I, get, I come. I come all the way, 64 miles, one direction, just to be here for prayer time. And then, uh, and then we go out soul warning at 930 in the morning. Amen. We go knock doors, tell people about Jesus Christ, invite folks to come. Sometimes we get to talk to uh, folks about Christ. Sometimes we we'll leave uh, material at their door. But it's amazing how many people God sends to our church. As a result of our faithfully going week after week after week. Getting the gospel message out to as many people as possible. So don't forget about that. Then this Sunday also is 23 and 23. 23 and 23. That means we'll uh, 23 people. We're asking 23 people to come and meet with us at 830 in the morning. Sunday morning. And we'll meet here in the auditorium. And we're going to pray. And we're going to pray for our church for the month of July, amen, that God will give us more families, that we'd have people saved, that we'd have folks baptized, amen. Uh, in June, we had people come and join the church. We had people baptized the very first Sunday in June. We had people saved in the month of June. And I believe it's all because we pray. And if you come and pray with us, we, we covet you to come pray with us. Now, you don't have to pray out loud. We'll never embarrass somebody and say, hey, would you pray? We'll never do that. Uh, you pray as you feel comfortable in praying. If you want to pray out loud, pray out loud. If you want to pray quiet, you'll pray quiet. Just come and pray with us uh, because that's the center of our prayer time. It's not about all the other things going on in the world. It's about meeting the needs of our church for, uh, for this month where God can bless us in the month of, uh, of July. So I want to encourage you to be a part of that. Amen. See, there was something I wasn't supposed to forget to tell you, and I forgot what it is I'm not supposed to t- that I'm not supposed to forget to tell you yeah yeah, that's all right and uh, uh I'd be hiding too uh and so uh. But uh, I know there's another announcement, and I I don't remember what it is. The upstairs are going to be closed. They're working on the air conditioning. Praise the Lord. They did find some air conditioners. Uh, They're getting them ready to put up. So uh, please, the upstairs is closed. Brother, you speak soft, and I can't hear. Oh, yeah, we'll get to that during the uh, offering portion, okay? Uh, but uh, is uh, I don't remember what he asked me, and I don't have my phone. I leave it in the office. I don't want to have my phone when I'm preaching. No, I don't have my phone. Uh, so, um, But uh, oh, whatever it is, I'll, I'll have to remember. And if I don't, that's okay. God knows what it is. So he can remind you. Amen? And uh, I, I trust him to take care of that. All right, we got our prayer sheet. Everybody need, Anyone need a prayer sheet? Anybody not get a prayer sheet that would like to have a prayer sheet? There's a... Brother, where did they go? Uh, Brother Ed, he, did he have them? Yeah. He ran out? All right. Well, good. We, there are more people here than I anticipated then. Amen. Uh, anybody have two that I'd like to share with someone else? Anyone else need one? All right. Looks like we got it all taken care of then. All right. Uh, there's a lot of people to pray for. Uh, on our prayer sheet, and so I want to encourage you that you take that home and, and use it. Uh, I want to encourage you to use your, the prayer notebooks that we have praying for each other. Uh, but on top of that, this is an important thing, what we have here, because it talks about the needs of, of our people. Amen. And tonight, I want to uh, encourage you to pray for Brother Ron Lusaro. Uh, I probably said it wrong, didn't I? But he's in the hospital, and... Uh, pardon me? And... Once again, he's in the hospital. See, I can't hear, so you've got to have to say it about a thousand times. Um, and so he is in the hospital. He has, uh, they're finally finding out a little bit of what's going on, and hopefully they they're, they're, took a procedure today, uh, and so they put uh, some, uh, uh, a, uh, pfft, some kind of needle into his back, into the area that needs to be drained uh, having to do with his kidneys and so on, and so there's a lot of infection in that area, and so be praying for Brother uh, Ron, and, and that's, uh, uh, that's Brenda's son, amen, Miss Brenda's son, so please be praying for them. There's a number of people who are going to be having surgery here uh, in the future, Brother Ron, Miss Brenda. Uh, Brother Robbie, they're on our prayer list also. Continue to pray for Lexi Clark. She sits in the back section over here. Um, on Sunday, she's expecting a child. Amen. So will be praying for her, and uh, that all goes well. Uh, continue to pray for the, the folks that are uh, in New Mexico, uh, working with the uh, Vacation Bible School there uh, on, uh, for the Navajo Indians. They had 50. Uh, last night was their first night. It's Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And last night was their first night. They had 50 people uh, come. Amen. There is another vacation Bible school taking place in their town. Uh, and the same week, they had 15 is what I heard. And so praise the Lord. They, and, and they're after the people in the town, but they're after the people in the reservation. And there is a difference. And so uh, continue to pray. I believe that there are some people saved. I'm not going to mention any names or any numbers. Uh, because preacher still wanted to make sure that he was giving me the correct information. And so uh, uh, there were people saved last night. and continue to pray that folks would be saved tonight and tomorrow night uh, as they continue to serve the Lord there. Uh, they got there about 4.30 Monday afternoon. Amen. And then everybody slept until about 10 o'clock Monday or Tuesday, and they got up and got busy, and they've been busy ever since. So continue to pray for them. There's a lot of work to be done. There's a lot of preparation that goes into things like this. And when you're not preparing at that location, you have prepared somewhere else for it, there's a lot of things you have to catch up on in the meantime. So continue to pray for them as they get all those little bugs worked out between here and New Mexico. That's a big span of place, you know. Uh, So uh, continue to pray for them as well. Uh, Please pray for our government. Uh, They need to figure out what's going on there. Uh, And so... They really do. And so pray, pray for our president, pray for Congress, pray for our Supreme Court justices, pray for our local state um, and fe- uh, state uh, government and city government officials. That's where it all starts is right here. And if we'll pray for those people and get those right kind of people, and then we can take the next step and go to the state, and then we can take the next step and go to the federal. But we have to build at grassroots, amen, and with truth from the word of God. And so we need to pray that our elected officials will receive Christ as Savior. They are are under an immense amount of pressure that we don't know anything of. Um, Many, many years ago, I was a chaplain to the Ohio General Assembly, and uh, I worked with senators and congressmen and Supreme Court justices, uh, of course, the governor's office as well. And uh, I had many prayer meetings with men, and women in their offices had many uh, uh, na- uh, statewide prayer meetings. Uh, we did a lot of Bible studies, led a lot of them to Christ. And the truth is is that uh, they're under huge pressure. You say, who are they under pressure from? It's not me and you. Do you have any idea who it might be? It's who, it's who said that? Well, not bureaucrats. It's the lobbyists. They're always trying to buy them off. They're always trying to tempt them with unbelievable things so that they get what they want and not what the people need. And that's a big problem in, in, in uh, governments of all kinds. And so they need our prayers. They need us to pray for them earnestly. So let's do that tonight as we pray. Amen. Let's have also a special prayer time for them as they're in New Mexico serving the Lord. So let's go ahead and have our prayer. All right. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your people that are here. I ask Holy Spirit that you would meet with us in a very special way. And we're not in New Mexico helping them there, but, Lord, we could pray for them. And so we're going to, and I ask Holy Spirit, you do what we cannot do and already convince and convict those who need to be saved, men and women and boys and girls, people from the Navajo Nation that need to know that Jesus is their Savior. And that he loves them just as they are as sinners. And I ask Holy Spirit to be with each one of the teachers, uh, be it the preaching that goes on. And I ask Holy Spirit you'd meet in every aspect of their services that many people would receive you as Savior. Not just this week, but this is the beginning of something that will continue on throughout this year to reach as many people as possible there on the reservation. I ask that you be with those in our church who are who are ill, those who have cancer. Uh, Miss Erica and Brother Dale, I ask that you be with uh, 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 Miss um, Stewart as she's uh, struggling with cancer, and uh, I ask that you be with those uh, in our. Church, who are getting ready for surgeries, give their doctors wisdom and understanding of exactly what needs to be done. Like Miss Brenda and and, and brother uh, Ron Huffman and brother um, Ra- uh, Robbie, as uh, uh, they uh, do those things, be with brother Ron as he's in the hospital, and I ask Holy Spirit. That you'd guide and direct the doctors there. Give them wisdom and understanding well beyond their years. Brother Ron has struggled with these issues for, for a number of years now. And Holy Spirit, you, can, you know what's going on. You're, dear Lord Jesus, you are the great physician. And so, Lord, I ask that you guide them, direct them, and help them to know exactly what Brother Ron... Uh, needs I, I thank you for uh, uh, Brother Dennis and Miss Susie. I ask that you continue to be with their health and uh, be with Brother Ron Wortham and Brother Gary Lund and, as, uh, they, uh, and give their bodies the strength they need, give their, the doctors the understanding that they need. I ask that to be with uh, Brother George White and his wife and continue to be a blessing to them and help them to continue to grow, continue to help Brother uh, Coy uh, heal uh, from the surgery that he has had. Uh, we ask that you be with Lexi Clark as she's expecting a new baby. I ask that you'd help the pregnancy to go well, give them wisdom as parents, uh, I guide them and direct them and help the baby to be saved at an early age, convincing and uh, work in that child's life that they would understand their need for a savior. Thank you for our president, and Lord, I ask that you do what I cannot do and convince and convict them of his need to be saved. I really don't want them to go to hell. Jesus, you love them. You don't want them to go to hell. And I'm sure if we had a chance to talk with them, honestly and sincerely, you would find out he doesn't want to go there. But the only way for him not to go there is to receive you as Savior. So I ask, Holy Spirit, that you do what we cannot do. It would change him like it changed me and like it's changed those in this room. So, Holy Spirit, I ask that you convince and convict our president of his need to be saved. I ask that you would guide Congress, and I ask that you would give them wisdom of what needs to be done Correctly in our country father I ask that you protect our children from all the uh, uh, junk and garbage that's going around trying to steal our children uh, their purity away from them uh, in this generation keep them safe be with our teachers in our schools and help them do the right things and teach them the things that they need to know in life not the things that they don't need to know I ask that you be with our state government. I ask that you be with our governor and our our Congress now, and uh, and I ask that you give them wisdom of exactly step-by-step what they need to do for our state of Texas. I thank you for all of our local governments, and many are represented here in this church. Many cities and towns and villages are represented by the people that we have here in our auditorium. And I ask, Lord, that you guide each and every one of us to be an encouragement to those in our local governments, and help them help us to get them the gospel message so that they can know you as Savior. Thank you for the Korean ministry, brother uh, brother Woojin, as he continues to lead that. Uh, be with our outreach this week; it's so winning as we go. That as we go, so winning. You to lead us to people who want to be saved. Be with our prayer times that we're going to have the twenty-three and twenty-three, as well as. Um, Uh, our uh, men's prayer breakfast on on Saturday. Father, I just ask that you guide and direct in our church. We thank you for our church, a place where could come where we have a very special family, where this is our family. And we all have one thing in common, that's the blood of Jesus Christ. So bless as we meet, guide and direct us. Keep our loved ones, our family that's away from us in, in New Mexico safe as they travel back and forth. And as they work and labor for you, then Lord, I ask that you be with us as well, as we all travel back and forth to our homes and the things that you'd have us do this week. May everything we do glorify your name, please. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Oh, bless our offering, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you haven't signed up for the uh, uh, for our plan, uh, here you can fill those out. And if you have an offering, come and give it at this time. Amen. found out what it was. Preacher wanted me to remind you that we need food for Sunday's meal. Amen. Uh, And I already did that, so we're good. Amen. We did what he asked us to do. Take your hymnal, if you would, please, in 153. Number 153, Jesus is coming again.
0: stand marvelous message we bring glorious carol we sing wonderful
1: chapter 5, when you get to your places, please, Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, and verse number 45, when you found your place, if you'd stand in reverence and respect of the word of God as we read from the word of God tonight, Matthew chapter number 5, and verse number 45. Uh, Chapter 5 and verse number 45 of Matthew, that ye may uh, be the children of your Father, which is in heaven, for he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and he sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. I think this is an interesting section of scripture that we're going to use as a springboard to study tonight what God has for us. Let's bow our head for a word of prayer, and then we'll have our preaching time. Father, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for each and every person that's come. We love you very much, and we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would teach us from your word the truth. Now, we're not here from man, but from you. I don't want folks to walk out and say, Boy, Brother Marco knows his stuff. I want us to walk out and say, Thank you, Lord, for taking care of us. Please bless this service in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. When pastor's gone and I have an opportunity to speak, I don't take this responsibility lightly. I spend a lot of time way in advance. As soon as I find out, I start praying, Lord, what would you have me to, to speak on? What do our people need? That's what I ask. What do our people need to hear tonight? How can I help your people? Where can I help the most in their lives? What is the best use of the short time which we have in the word of God tonight to help us take another step forward for Christ? As I I pray that way. And I earnestly ask God those questions. And I believe I have something tonight that I believe is something we really need as a church, as individuals, especially those that are here tonight. And I say especially those that are here tonight because on Wednesday night, many of us who have infirmities are able to get here on Wednesdays. And we definitely don't have the opportunity to to go to New Mexico and do those things. So I want to talk to you on this subject. What to do when troubles come? What to do when troubles come? I've said in times past, I think here in this pulpit, I know I've said it a lot in my lifetime, there's, we're in one of three positions in life. In trouble, coming out of troubles, or going into trouble. It just seems that's how life seems to run. We're either in trouble, coming out of trouble, or headed into trouble. Why? Because of sin. Not a specific sin you and I have done, but sin in general. Sin brought in by many kinds of issues that bring many kinds of issues, many kinds of problems, many kinds of tribulations to our life. Sin brings sickness. Sin brings death. Lying. Cheating. Hate. Selfishness. Self-centeredness. Pride. Cheating. Killing. War. Coveting, which means wanting something that others have, which create a whole other host of problems. Lusting. Sexual... uh, 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 Sexual improprieties. And now look where we are today. We have a world of deviants running everything. By the way, that used to be the crime that you'd be charged with for behaving like people do today in front of our children. You are a deviant and you are locked up because you got a mental issue. Stress, anger, pain, suffering, and the list can go on and on and on. All this was brought to you and I by sin. S-I-N. Thank you, Satan, you little snake. Because that's what he brought to Adam and Eve in the garden. And that's what we've had ever since. It seems, though, for some reason in our lives as saved people, we think problems are not to come my way because I'm saved. But that's not true. Look at our verse again there in Matthew chapter 5, in verse number 45. Look what it says here in the middle of the verse. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good. And he sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. This is part of the world or the earth in which we live upon. We live in a world that is shaped by sin. Now, I'm not talking about what you've done. God does not look at you and say, I'm going to punish you because of this. Whop! He doesn't work that way. That's a fallacy made up by religious zealots who want to control you. They try to terrorize Christians with that idea that God's going to send you a disease because you acted. No, I'm sorry. That's just part of living. We're living in bodies that are dying. The moment that you were born, you started to die. Right now, you're closer to it than you've ever been before. And if you don't go before the night's over in the morning, you'll be even closer. I'm not sure how we've come to that conclusion, but those thoughts are not true. God doesn't judge you that way. God doesn't judge me that way. He's taken our sins away from us as far as the east is from the west as far as has removed us from our sin. I no longer have any sin to pay for. It's been paid for by Jesus Christ. And he's not gonna strike me down with something to punish me because I'm, I'm a rebel. I reap what I sow. I'm gonna say that again. I reap what I sow, you reap what you sow. You sow the flesh, you're going to reap the flesh. The only thing the flesh has for you, corruption. Because that's all there is for the flesh. And our flesh is always going to have trouble. Trials, tribulations, heartaches, heartbreaks, all because of sin. Trouble comes to all people take your Bible and open up to James chapter one. Our Lord wants us to understand this. So when James is is penning under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the very beginning of the book of James in verse number two, it says this, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Now there's some amazing words in there. We're gonna look at them in just a moment, but it's amazing that The Lord wants us to know right up front that uh, suffering is something that comes with this life. Suffering is something that comes with this life. Suffering is to be dealt with from the very beginning in this letter because God wants us to understand that how important this is. God acknowledges the universality, if you will. I don't know if that's a real word, but I made it up just in case it was. Uh, the universality of trials and tribulations. They happen to everybody. They're universal. Uh, afflictions, troubles, difficulty, temptations are common to the human being. It is not if trouble comes in that verse. I want you to look at that verse again. James chapter 1 and verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy. When? See, it's going to come. And when it comes, you need to be prepared for it. And so either you might be coming out of trouble right now. Or you may be going towards trouble right now. Or you might be in the midst of trouble right now. Because it's going to come. So with that in mind, as trouble comes, then we need to understand it comes in all shapes and sizes. That's what divers temptations means. Divers means uncertain various, uh, various ways in character or manifold ways or a multiple of different ways. That's what divers means. The word temptation means this, adversity or troubles or trials. Adversity, troubles, or trials. So don't be surprised when a bunch of different kinds of troubles and adversities and trials come your way. Don't be caught off guard thinking that it isn't supposed to happen to me. It's not supposed to happen to me. I did all the right
0: things. It's not supposed to happen to me.
1: But it does. It happens to everybody. Troubles come to all people. Now, I want you to take your Bible. This is Bible study. I want you to go to Job chapter number one. Job chapter number one. I want us to know how God works and what his expectations are for us when troubles come. Because troubles come. You get, you, you, you're a kid and you don't have a care in the world. Mom and dad pay all your bills. You run around and play. At least that's what I did. Uh, As soon as I got up out of bed in the morning, boom, I'm outside. I'd have to be called in for breakfast. I'd have to be called in for lunch. I'd have to be called in for dinner. I'd have to be called in for bed because I wanted to be outside playing. Now, back then, we didn't have video games where it did all the thinking for you. We picked up a stick, and it became a bazooka or a baseball bat or whatever. It became a toy. It took on many different facets. It could be a sword. It was everything. I remember when we go, my mom and dad would get us popsicles in the summertime. I couldn't wait to get popsicles because I'd always save up rubber bands so we could make switchblade knives. Anybody else do that out of popsicle sticks? It's just part of growing up. I didn't have any, any worries. Then I met a girl. We got married and I thought life was gonna be wonderful. And that's when two sinners get together, start living together in the center of sin. Now, Christ is supposed to be there. But we got two sinful natures that have come together. And then we bring in other sinful natures called children, which always try your patience. Amen? And then troubles come. See, in high school, we think, man, everything's great. Then you graduate from high school, and then troubles start to come. Because now you're in life. See? And when do they stop? When you go to heaven, when you go to heaven. Job chapter 1, starting with verse number 6. Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came along uh, among them, came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, "Whence cometh thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in in the earth, a perfect and upright man, uh, one that feareth God and ensueth evil. That word ensueth means turns aside or away from. That's what that word means. If you don't know what that means, write it in the margin of your Bible. Ensueth means to turn aside or turn away. Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hath thou not made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? And hath thou blessed the work of his hand, and his substance is increased in the land? But put forth thine hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. Now there's some things we need to learn here. First thing is this, everything Satan said about Job was true. He was a blessed man. He said in verse number 9, Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? That means for nothing, devoid of cost or wages, and that's true. He didn't, for no reason, he was he feared God because he loved him. I don't fear God because I'm afraid of him or because it's going to get me anything. I do it because I love him. And he loves me. And God had made a hedge about him. Just like he makes a hedge about you and I. And he made a hedge about his house. And he made a hedge about all that he hath. And he made a hedge about all that, uh, everything on all sides. And he had blessed the work of his hand. And he blessed the substance and the increase of the land. And then verse 11 he put forth his hand now and touch all that he hath, half- and he'll curse you to the face. He was trying to get God to go against him, but God never goes against us. God never goes against you. When things happen in your life, they happen. It's not God that's bringing them to pass. God allows it to happen, but He's not doing it to you. See, because He's got a hedge about us. And he knows you personally. He knows exactly what you can do and what you can't do. He knows exactly what your faith is and what your faith is not. And he'll never give you more than what you're able to bear. Now, sometimes that's hard for us to believe as we go through things that we think we cannot bear. But God will never, ever do anything to hurt you. So he says to Satan, if you want to go ahead and try, you go ahead, but I'm not doing it. So I'm going to let you do it, but don't kill him. Don't touch him. Don't touch him. God loves you. That's why Jesus died on the cross for you. He loves me. He, does, he doesn't want us to go to hell. But that doesn't mean nothing's ever never going to go bad for you in your life. I'll say that again. That doesn't mean nothing's never going to go bad for you in your life. But what it does mean is that Satan was trying to get God to hurt Job, his servant, but God wouldn't do that. However, God gave permission to him to do what he wanted to Job. Because God knew what Job could take and what Job could not take. So verse 13, all of his children are together together. And they're celebrating. But before they have this little party, Job is offering sacrifices for them just in case they do anything wrong during the party. He's trying to be cautious. He's trying to give preventive medicine. He really doesn't know what's coming. And we never really know what's coming. And it's amazing how we get caught off guard. Anybody else besides me like that? All of a sudden, boom, what What happened? and your whole life is in a whirlwind suddenly. In, chapter, in verse 14 of chapter 1, his oxen are stolen by the Sibians. In verse 16, fire falls from heaven, and making it look like God is doing this. And kill all of the sheep and the servants with the sheep. God did not do it, but it sure looked like it, for why else would fire fall from heaven if God wasn't bringing this? And this is an important thing to understand here because that's what his friends keep telling him. But Job keeps telling him, no, it has nothing to do with that. My God's a good God. My God loves me. My God cares for me. And if he says, and if he's allowed this, that's great. Because he gave me everything I had to begin with. I didn't give me anything. And Job realizes where everything comes from. Oftentimes that's our place that we stumble and fall. We don't realize that everything doesn't come from us. And we think that God's just kind of watching when God is in total control. Fire falls from heaven making it look like God is doing this. Then in verse 17, the Chaldeans come and steal all of his camels. Then the worst news a parent could ever hear comes. In verse 18, a great wind comes and blows down his son's home, killing all of his children. Do you know what the world calls that? An act of God. Read your insurance policy. Your home insurance is not covered by acts of God. But this wasn't an act of God, it's an act of the devil. It was an act of Satan. He's trying to cause trouble between God and his servant. He's trying to get his servant to turn away. He's trying to get his servant to run away. He's trying to get his servant to shake his fist at God and say, I hate you. You know, like your children do when they're teenagers and you tell them to clean their room. You know, just saying. But in verse 22 of chapter 1, Job has a response. He says, in all this, it says, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Job understands who God is. Job understands who he is. Job understands that life happens to everyone. Now go to chapter 2. In verse number 2. And we'll start to read there. And the Lord said unto Satan, From whence cometh thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a perfect? That word perfect, by the way, means complete. That's what we get when we receive Christ as Savior. We're complete. We were incomplete and dead in our sins. But we were made complete in Jesus Christ and restored to fellowship with our Heavenly Father. That's what completion is. That's what perfection is. It's not a sinless life. You're never going to live a sinless life. I'm never going to win, live a sinless life. I don't want to sin, and I'm sure that you don't want to either. But, buddy, it sure does spring up in us, don't it? Like we were kind of born to it. <laughs> born in it. <clears throat> he says in verse 3, And the Lord said unto Satan, Hath thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and ensueth evil? And he, shall, uh, 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 and he upholdeth uh, fast his integrity, although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause. Now he didn't mean that, God's not saying you made me do this. That is not what he's saying. He's saying, I allowed you to do this, and this is why you wanted me to do this. But you lost. But Satan's not done, because he never is done. See, Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin. Yea, all that man hath will he give for his life. And by the way, I believe that's a true statement. I believe that 99.9% of the people in this world would stop everything if they could live longer. I'm not sure why we want to live longer. What, do you want to see more sin? What, do you want to see more corruption? I'm not sure why we want to live longer. Yeah, okay, I'm old now. I have kids. I have grandkids. I'm thrilled about all that. I'm ready to go. And I realized that when I first got married, I said, Lord, don't come yet. I want to have kids. I do understand that. I do. I get that. But honest to goodness, can I tell you what? I wish my children never had to face any sin. I wish they would have never faced a tempter. I wish they wouldn't have to see the perversions that are in this world today. Wouldn't it be wonderful if everything could just go back like it was in the Garden of Eden? Wouldn't it be cool? And the truth is, it will. One day, in a new heaven and a new earth. But in the meantime, we are going to live here. However, I don't think this life here is worth living like we think it is. Because Satan knows man. And we will spend every penny we have to try to get one more hour of life. But the truth is, you don't know when your life is over. I have searched my body from top to bottom nine years ago, 10 years ago, 10 years ago now. I'm looking at my wife for an answer. 10 years ago, they told me I had a very short uh, existence left and that I was going to expire. I looked over my whole body, every nook, every cranny, and I couldn't find a, a date that says, expires on <laughs> because it's up to God he set that date before, when I was conceived in my mother's womb The day I'd be born, the hour I'd be born, the month that I would be born, the year that I would be born, the year I would die, the month that I would die, the week that I would die, the day that I would die, the hour that I would die, the minute that I would die, it's all set in heaven. I cannot add one thing to that. You can't either. It's all God's decision And I got to accept that. And then to live my life in such a way that I glorify God with my existence here. I have no idea when I'm going to die. I could die on the way home. I would not be heartbroken. And don't wear black at my funeral. Have a celebration. Because it's graduation day, buddy. I'm going to glory. Amen? It's not sad for the Christian, or it ought not to be. Yet the devil knows exactly what he's doing, and he said, put forth thy hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, behold, he's in thy hand, save his life. Satan was wrong about what Job would end up to do. Yeah, Job cried. He wept. He wished that the day he was born would have never happened. He's in pain, he's in anguish. We all say things and do things and whine and cry when we don't feel good, amen? And that's okay, because at the end, you have to still come out and say, but God is God, God is good, he's in control, I'm just gonna submit it unto him. So Satan knows man fears death more than he fears anything. He knows that. All Job is going to do is try for one reason, to try to get Job to quit on God before he dies, to turn from following him, from turning, from obeying him. That's all he wants to do. And then what's he going to do? Nothing, because Satan ain't got nothing for him either. See, Satan doesn't have anything for you. All he wants to do is take away from you, not to give you anything. There's nothing to give you. He has nothing for you. You already have the greatest things that any human being could ever have. That's your name written in the Lamb's book of life
0: and heaven as your home. You already have it all.
1: So that's all the devil wanted to do because he has nothing to offer Job. Now turn over to chapter three of the book of Job. In verse 25 and 6. He says in verse 25 and 26 of the book of Job, for the things which I greatly feared is come upon me, and that which I have, which I was afraid of, is come unto me. I was not in safety. Neither had I rest, neither was I quiet, yet. Trouble came. Because trouble's always going to come. It doesn't matter who we are, what our position in life is, how much or how little you possess, how rich you are, how poor you are. Troubles come to everyone, troubles come to all people. But what should we do when trouble comes? I said all that so I could get us to this point right here. Because I want us to understand that none of us are void of any of this. But what do I do? What do I do when trouble comes? Number one, recognize that difficulty is, a, is common to everyone. Trials, tribulations, illnesses, uh, problems, uh, family issues financial issues, financial reversals. Everybody goes through things. Nothing is just something that only you have ever experienced in your whole life. It's never just been you. It's everyone. So recognize that trouble comes to everybody. Number two, that was a quick one, wasn't it? Now number two, get the right view about trouble. Trouble. Get the correct view of trouble when it comes. If you'll have the correct view of trouble when it comes, then you can get through the troubles. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me, but it's through it. He's always going to get me through things, but he gets me through them. But I need to stick with him to get through them. It's, it's interesting. I, I'm not going to take you through all the book of Job, but it's interesting. At the end of the book of Job, Job comes, God comes down and he talks to Job, and then he talks to his three friends. And by the way, the three, if he had three friends, like if I ever had three friends like he had, I wouldn't have any friends, because they were horrible. They kept telling him it was all because of sin in his life that all these things were happening to him, and it just isn't because there's sin in this world. See? Job hadn't done anything to deserve any of this because it doesn't have anything to do with whether you deserve it or not. Everybody goes through problems. So when somebody tells you that, tell them very kindly, very carefully, very sweetly, shut your pie hole. Amen? Because they have no idea what they're talking about. Okay, you just say, hush. Hush. You're doing this, and what I want is this. But you're kinder than I am. And I'm just going to tell them to shut up. I know that's a curse word in some homes. Well, then I just cursed. Because I want you to shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. And people are really good about talking about things they don't know what they're talking about. And they can talk and talk and talk and talk and talk about stuff that they don't know what they're talking about and they talk in circles, and they never
0: make sense,
1: and they never apply it to themselves. So say, this is what I want you to do. So the proper attitude then is to realize that temptations and adversities and troubles and trials, when they come, can really bring us joy. Go back to James Chapter One, James Chapter One, and again, verse number two. He says, Count it all joy joy troubles are going to come now I get to see the hand of God see that's where I was going in Job in just a second I'll get there okay remember Job's gone through all these things and Job is is struggling as he goes through them just like you and I struggle but he missed something he missed what James chapter 1 and verse 2 talks about counting it all joy realizing that everybody goes through the thing. The sun shines on the just and the unjust, and it rains on the good, and it rains on the evil. Because life happens. So count it joy. Well, why would you want to count it joy? Are you ready? At the end of the book of Job, God comes to Job and says, Listen, Job, you need to adjust your attitude. That's all he needed to do. You need to realize that I'm here for you. I've always been here for you. I'll always take care of you. I love you and I appreciate the way you've stood for me through these times of difficulty. But I want you to do something. I want you to pray for your miserable friends. Then he looks at the friends and says, you bunch of perverted jerks. That's Marco's version of it. You sinners, you. You vile sinners that you have no idea. You speak for me, but you don't speak for me at all. You are on your way to hell and you need to get right. So I want you to go get some sacrifices and bring them over to Job and ask Job to pray for you. Wow. These are the ones that said Job is wicked because these things have happened to him. So what do they do? They bring... The offerings for Job to offer on their behalf. And Job prays for them. And at that very minute, if you looked in the scripture, you'd find out at that very moment, God reverses everything that's going on in Job's life. And suddenly, Job goes from suffering to being healed. He goes from having nothing to not becoming, doubling everything he did have and having seven additional children. So he doubled his children as well, seven in heaven. I'm sorry, 10 in heaven and 10 on earth, 20 children. Now, I don't know about you, but for his wife, I'm not sure that, that was a blessing. <laughs> but they had their children again. Why? Because Job didn't run away from God when trouble came. He realized it was an opportunity to see the hand of God work. And that's what we miss. We miss the idea of it being joy. It's joy because now God's got to work on my behalf. I can't do anything. I can't do any, I can't even make one hair grow. I can get a lot of hairs to fall out if I shake my head hard enough or comb it. But I can't make any grow. My wife was heartbroken the other day. She got measured at the doctor's office, found out she lost almost an inch. You can't even make yourself grow. As you get older, you shrink. You always want to be taller than you are. Can you imagine? Never mind. Guy that normally stands up here, how frustrated he's going to get one day. But the truth is, is that God knows what he's doing. And he wants to take care of us. And he wants to turn our sufferings into joy. He wants us to be able to turn around and say, look what God has done for me. And see, we can only do that if we quit looking at ourself and what we're going through and look at him and see what he's doing. I got a story and I'm done. Many years ago, my wife was, we were at home. She hates it when I tell the story. I don't know. I haven't told it in a long, long time. I came home from the office, the church office, and she's having trouble mechanically she's stirring a hot pot of water fl- flinging water boiling water everywhere and I go there's something wrong we finally get her to the hospital and after a period of time we find out she has an aneurysm in the front right lobe of her brain and has gotten so big at this point that she could have a major bleed anytime. but they can't do surgery on it because if they do surgery she's going to be a vegetable true story She's lost all depth perception. She can't move well. She can't walk well. I carry her during these days from, her, from the bed to wherever she needs to go. Not like I'm Superman. But that's how weak she had become. We had people in the church come and help take care of her because she wasn't able to even take care of herself. They said... Uh, Mr. Markle, one day, she's going to have a, a, a preliminary bleed. Then she's going to have a preliminary bleed. And then she's going to have a major bleed. I said, how will I know? They said, either there'll be blood and that'll come from her eye or it to drip from her ear. And then you have just a few moments and the, the main bleed will come and she'll die within minutes. There's nothing we can do. said okay i kept pastoring the church she kept doing her best to take care of the children we lived our life one day i was giving her a bath for she wasn't able to bathe herself and i looked at her ear and i saw blood starting to drip out of her ear and i said oh this is it this is what they said so fully dressed I climbed under the tub next to her and I just held her waiting for the primary bleed to come and for her to be gone. Five minutes didn't come. Ten minutes it didn't come. After about an hour of sitting in the bathtub I got tired of being wet. So I scooped her up out of the bed and brought her back into the room and dried us both up and changed and got us dressed and From that point on, she started getting better and better and better. Now, she had a lot of problems. And she would tell you, for 20 years, you think, 20 years, troubles, trials, tribulations, headaches, pains, and agony. She was supposed to have a, a surgical procedure done that she needed to have done really, really bad on a different part of her body. And they wouldn't do it because they were worried that the aneurysm would break. She had a a, a medical file thicker than my Bible. And so uh, Baylor University Hospital in downtown Dallas was going to do this procedure for us for no cost. And so on the weekend, they had all the doctors get together to review her case and do a test on her to decide whether or not they could proceed. The test was supposed to take 10 minutes, we're in a doctor's office. It's dark in the waiting room because they're not open. It's just me, my wife, and the doctors. That's all that's there. Ten minutes.
0: Hmm.
1: Twenty minutes. Hmm. An hour goes by, and I say, "What in the world is going on?" So, since nobody's there to ask, I start walking through the through the doctor's office until I could find them, and they're all sitting around this conference table arguing. Yes, it was. No, it's not. God, didn't, God can't do that. Yes, God can. What are you talking about? Her aneurysm, it's gone. We can't find it. All the, all the marks in her brain are there. We can see where it was, but we don't know where it's gone. One doctor said, well, God healed her. That's what I said. God don't do those things. Yes, he does. See, and a lot of her problems disappeared with that. They went ahead and did the medical procedure. But can I tell you that my wife had a ministry to ladies who had terminal illnesses for 20 years. For she understood everything that they were going through. And she understood the pain. She understood the agony. She understood the waking up every morning hoping you could see your child graduate kindergarten. Get through grade school. Maybe graduate high school. She understood what it was like to deal with all those things. So God allowed her to go through that so she could be a blessing to those who needed her. And she understood that joy that comes with that. See, there's a joy that God has for it if we'll have the right attitude. I'll be honest with you, her attitude was better than my attitude. But she never one time did we stop serving God. Never one time did we quit going to church. Never one time did we quit family devotions in our home. Never one time did we quit winning folks to Christ. Why? Because it doesn't matter what's going on in our personal lives. We can need to serve our Lord and he will take care of us. And then that day, she told me about it. I think it was a Wednesday night at a Bible study uh, 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 and prayer meeting. Where all of a sudden, during the invitation, I think it was, was it during the invitation or during the preaching, I don't remember, during the preaching, all of a sudden she sees this bright white light. That was, the day, that was the Wednesday before the Saturday that we had that appointment. And she said for the first time, she didn't have a headache. First time in almost 20 years, she did not have a headache. She said, did you see that light? What light? It was a light that she saw. And the light she remembers today. Of the hand of God. What joy. What a thrill. I'll be honest with you. That's not how we thought it was going to be when it started. But you got to go through it. To see what God brings you to at the end. It's not always comfortable. And it's not always easy. And I've got to stop. But I promise you. To count it all. Joy. Because you're going to get to see some things that other people never, ever get to see. To hear things others are never going to get a chance to hear. And for you to say, wow, God did that for me, to me.
0: God did it.
1: What a thrill that is. When you get to see the hand of God move in your life. It will be something I believe will stick with you for eternity. But even if the healing doesn't come, keep serving the Lord because you don't know exactly what God is doing in other people's lives by what he's working in your life. If we'll count it all joy as we go through the difficulties of life. Father, thank you for what we have heard tonight from your word. There was a lot of things I didn't get the time to say. A couple of the verses I didn't get a chance to use. But I believe I've done exactly what you've asked me to do. And I ask Holy Spirit that you take this message, drive it down deep into our heart, and cause us to draw closer to you as a result of what we've heard tonight. Father, please don't let the world get the victory or Satan get the victory in our lives as troubles and trials and tribulations come our way. But help us to count it all joy. All through the book of James, we see all sorts of wonderful things. And all through your word, we see wonderful things that you have for us as we go through them. I even think of Paul, who three times asked you to take away a problem that was in his life. And I don't have any idea what it was. But you told him, no, you were sufficient. And you were. And we thank you for that. And you always are. So draw us closer to you tonight from what we heard. For we ask it in Jesus' name. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, God's spoken to
0: your heart, the altar's open.
1: Whatever you